Welcome to our podcast, Wise Black Nana's Life Coaching Between the Dash. Hey, what do you do when it feels like life has thrown you a few too many challenges, knocked you down, in the bed, hard to talk about even with your best friend challenges, and it feels like the challenges are winning? Wouldn't it be nice to hear from your Nana or a stand-in Wise Black Nana? Well, they are Wise Black Nana's. Charlotte Walker, PhD, and Joanne Early, MS, two mature women with over 70 plus years of combined coaching and mentoring, professional human resources, and business experience. The wonderful news is these wise black nanas are still living and learning about this amazing life, about resilience and grit, gratitude and appreciation, and the extraordinary power of love and friendships, being positive and supportive, and learning from others. Welcome to Wise Black Nanas. Let's listen in. Welcome to Wise Black Nanas. I'm Dr. Charlotte Walker. On our last program, we talked about the strong Black woman, both from a negative and positive view. This program is about claiming our worth and then adding a text that goes along with that. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm Joanne Early. And again, this program, we're talking about more between the dance stuff. We're talking about self-worth. Well, there was a quote from Oprah, Oprah, excuse me, that said, only make decisions that support your self-image, your self-esteem, and self-worth. And I know what you're thinking. Heck, if you're Oprah, of course you can say that. But I think Oprah is really a good example um, of er anybody who has shared struggles with self-worth. Remember all those uh, diets and the self-doubts about her work, you know, in the media, uh, her appearance and her hairstyle, whether she should get married or not. In that Oprah quote, you know, I think what she uh, tapped into were just a lot of those self-words. And guys, since Oprah made that quote, there's been all kinds of self-words that have been created. Self-love, self-respect, self-confidence, awareness, acceptance, compassion, reliance. They just go on and on and on. And we kind of think a lot of them are related, maybe interdependent on, you know, or built upon each other. A lot of self-worth. So what we're talking about today is self-worth because we also think that it is really part of our infrastructure. It's in our makeup and it shows up in our interactions with others and ourselves. So much of how we turn out in life, we think is rooted in self-worth. So why are we talking about self-worth? Well, our response is that, why not talk about it? We've talked about a lot of other things, so we may as well talk about this. <laughs> and there's a lot more of our lived experience coming, um, things we're going to be talking about. So let's think about just the word itself, self-worth. We're talking about something that we can completely own. I don't know about you, when I think about worth, I think about value. You know, like the wise black manas thing. Being a treasure trove, treasure trove, you think there's some money, there's some gold, there's something in there of value. Oh, anyway, <laughs> you're right. Anyway, so, you know, what is self-worth? 
what's a simple way we can think about it if we're thinking about its relationship to value and valuing ourselves? It is really something that we think of when we think of ourselves. It's how we treat ourselves, whether it's with respect, compassion, and kindness, and also how we treat others around us. We think when we have high self-worth or self-value, we don't care so much about what the quote they think. You know how we're always concerned? God, I wonder what they think about this. I wonder what they're saying about this. Well, <laughs> we don't really care so much about what others think when we have strong self-worth. The opinions of others just aren't aren't that important. Um, you know, I think we're being truer to ourselves. And when we say, I'm okay with that, you can really mean it instead of saying, yeah, I'm okay with that. And you've got all this maybe uh, inner talk or inner dialogue that's the very opposite of that. So we we added a little add the tax. <laughs> and um, uh, that was uh, Dr. Charlie's idea. I said, hey, we're going to talk about self-worth. And then we're going to ask our listeners, then add the tax. Because you know when you buy something, you almost always have to pay some extra. So we're going to ask you to heap on a little extra self-worth. So again, that's why we're talking about this. So, hey, Dr. Charlotte, tell us a little bit more about what self-worth is not. Um, well, I think our lived experiences between the two of us can really um, put some uh, examples in our head. Mm. I think one of the things that um, I learned is that we're not our job. You know, we we have a craft, we have a knowledge, we have skills, but we are not the position. And I think that sometimes we are so engrossed or in a, or in a competitive mind that we think we only need to live for our jobs. God, yeah, and no, and nothing else matters until something happens. Right, <laughs> and then we realize that. Ooh, the employer really doesn't value us as much as we value what we want to give them. Got that right. So, um, again, you know, what we do is not necessarily who we are. A lot of times we are doing work or supporting others because it's the right thing to do. You don't have any passion behind it. You don't really believe in it. But circumstances such as I got to feed my kids, so I'm just going to do this mm-hmm. and until something better. Mm-hmm. Um, our outward appearance uh, is really sometimes um, an issue for strong Black women. Uh, mm-hmm. They're seen as being aggressive when we just want to question, you know, we want to answer to the question, why, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very simple, you know, why? And, you know, you ask questions and then you become the angry black woman or the aggressive black woman. So that's a, that's a a blow to our self-worth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't provide the basic needs uh, for us or others 
if we, you know, we don't have housing, food, and other essentials of life. Mm -hmm. So if that's a struggle, um, you know, there's this recording, and I think Joe and I refer to this about this recording in your head that says, you know, you could do better, you could do better, you're not worth this, you're not worth us, that's why your life is such a thing, so... Or you could be in a situation where you are constantly berated or tucked down to in social media. Social media today can illuminate your life or destroy it. Depends on how engaged. And we can see some of the celebrities that ride it for a while and you say one word, one word, and you're canceled. Yeah. So how do you come yeah. back? You know. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we're not saying that the. I think we're not saying that social media is bad, because it has provided a lot of opportunities, especially for women and minorities. Um, you know, to start businesses, to mm-hmm. get the word out, to be heard, to speak to certain audiences. So we're not in any way saying that it's a bad thing, that it's a negative thing, but it has such power and Mm -hmm. it seems to have taken root um, that, you know, when you look at somebody else's posts and looks like, oh my God, they're just living life to living life large. I guess that's what the saying is (laughs) and just doing all this stuff. And they always look beautiful and they're going out to wonderful places to eat and the food is pictured and all that stuff. And then you look around at maybe your own set of circumstances and you think, well, God, I'm not like that. And, or I don't go on those, go to those places. I'm not always flying here and there. I'm not wearing these glamorous clothes. It, it can have a negative impact on your self-worth. That that's the 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 you know, I think that's don't you think that's what we're trying to convey? I think here? so. I think that you know, we are a perfect example. Uh our generation, you know, we came from we we don't tell everything. We keep secrets. Yeah. And social media <laughs> uh doesn't Oh my god, everything's uh, out there. <laughs> allow you to keep keep secrets. And I think that's kind of been our struggle as we have, um, it's no longer a struggle, but our struggle is like, oh, we got to go to social media to promote mm-hmm. our podcast. We got to get mm-hmm. out there. You know, I don't have IG. I don't have TikTok and all that. And do we want our business out there? Well, because of what we want to share, we do want our business out there. Right, right. So right. our mindset has changed on what positive things can happen mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to baby boomers like us with social yeah. to get yeah, our product out to everyone. Right. Because I don't know, without having the ability to do a podcast, we I don't think we'd be doing a radio show or a TV show. You know, we're just two everyday Black women that want to share information about our our lived experience. But that's right. why, you know, again, we think that it's a double-edged sword with with social yeah. media. And uh, it's a struggle, I think, especially for uh, young people today, just knowing the difference and being aware of what that, the impact that it can have on how we feel about ourselves. 
and the things that we do as a result of that. I'm sorry for for cutting you off no, there. No, no, no. That's that's quite all right. That's information because you know that is a part of what we're we continue to learn. Yeah. We're, as we have embarked on this very very passionate project uh, project of ours, which we love, we have learned to kind of change our mindsets, listen to some other generations to make mm-hmm. sure that our what we do is wholesome and, you know, can be seen as useful by uh, a multiple different type, different generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. our hope. Mm-hmm. So we are going into social media, uh, not so reluctantly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not with our head, hands tied behind our bag yeah, and being yeah, dragged by the being dragged into into this uh we've uh, learned some new things and some exciting things and we've learned how we can turn this into positive uh experience so right you know we've probably beat that one a little as much as we need to huh <laughs> yeah so, so um, what about joanne about you know talking about the under developed and marginalized what are your thoughts you know again i i I thought it was important to to just comment or you know just say a couple things about you know sometimes what is it that when we're feeling maybe not so much not so high on self-worth um you know we it's the times that we feel like our opinions don't count or we're not you know tapped for um, the jobs or the assignments or the next big promotion or whatever. Those can be some times when our self-worth really takes a beating, really, really takes a beating. And I don't care whether we're strong Black women or not. Um, that has an impact on you. I remember, um, God, I was working, you know, for a company that we both know well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was uh, tapped. I was a, I don't know, a, a maybe a newer uh, manager, newer mid-level manager at that time. And I was um, uh, tapped to go to a class that was called self-efficacy. And I, I didn't even know what self-efficacy meant. Um, but I read the, um, I read, you know, the brief of the class. And then I remember my boss at the time, who was a black man, um, you know, told me, he said, Hey, this is a class for, uh, for minority managers. And we had just a wonderful conversation. Uh, and it, you know, as we were preparing for this program, some of that conversation came back to me, but as I said, I didn't even know what self-efficacy meant at the time. And what this company was trying to do was uplift and, uh, show, minority managers, Black ones especially, that we had a lot of value and that we brought something to the table and that while the history had been that we weren't promoted as much or we might have been undervalued and underutilized, that they as a company were very interested in how they could support, you know, our our, our efforts. So this whole class was about looking at our own um, abilities looking at our own strengths, looking at our contributions and um, understanding fully where we fit in the roles, you know, in our jobs, in the departments, within the company overall, and kind of letting us know that um, 
we didn't have to be somebody else. We did not have to be somebody else. There was some very frank conversation, you know, in that training and conversation that we assured would stay in that training and not necessarily find its way back, um, you know, back. Because a lot of times we don't want to share stuff because it's like, I don't want everybody, you know, my work group to know that I was in here, you know, saying X, Y, and Z or whatever. But it was really a class on kind of saying to us, to us that, okay, minority managers, you have a place. You have a seat at the table. You can be your authentic self and don't have to try to be somebody else or speak in another voice. So I, I, you know, while I may not have always brought up that class, I think I remembered and, and took into me and tried to practice the things that, you know, that I had learned about in that class, you know, in a way to help me you know, continue to manage and continue to interact and to feel, you know, again, good about what I brought to the table, good about my accomplishments, that I felt more confident, you know, to raise my hand in meetings to say, you know what, I don't really agree with that. And let me tell you why, you know, or yeah, hey, I can support that. And I'd like to be in the group to make, to implement this. I felt much more confident about, again, quote, my role after taking that. And I think I took that with me uh, largely to other places, other jobs, other other ventures that I got involved and in, that I got involved in. And I mean, I don't know if they're, heck, they're probably not doing anything like that now, but it was a wonderful opportunity. And it certainly was good for me to, you know, to have that experience at the time in my career when, I, you know, it I needed it. You know, I think I needed it at that time, but it was called self-efficacy. I think for minority managers, heck, I don't even know if you could even do that today. You know, I I don't, I don't know. know. And and think about what you're saying, because, you know, we did work for the same organization, different divisions. And so Mm -hmm. I was exposed Mm -hmm. to that as well. Mm -hmm. And as you're talking, I'm thinking that, you know, that company that we work for in so many ways was ahead of its time yeah as far as organizations and management and leaders um you know i you know without that or that background and that foundation of professional that i professionalism and training that i received i don't think i would have been become the leader than I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think that those conversations should reappear in organizations. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know we have a, a DEI and B or W or whatever, all those acronyms of, of diversity, diversity and inclusion, <laughs> programs now, but I, I don't really know that there's anything like this. And of course, you know, we're I'm not and you aren't either in an everyday kind of corporate situation. So, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that they still do. I'm hoping I think the difference is that the entire organization from the president of the company believed in it, that it was worth it. Yeah. And that's why it was done. Yeah, that tops down thing, huh? Yeah. And um, so I think that's the difference to get that kind of commitment now is very 
difficult because I think the organization saw the value in minority uh, black and brown managers and leaders helping the organization succeed. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But that's exactly what it was. I don't believe that now organizations have that perspective at Mm -hmm. all. And that's just based on my last 10 years in organizations. Mm -hmm. They're not willing to invest all it takes for diversity, um, Mm -hmm. inclusion, and equity. It's not Mm -hmm. just a piece of it. You Mm -hmm. have to fully commit and no one's really ready to commit or spend the money. Mm-hmm. My opinion, of course, based okay. on that. <laughs> it's our it's our podcast, so we absolutely can give our can can give our opinions. Yeah, I I read a lot. Um, I read a lot of, of stuff on DEI, and I just I don't know. It just seems to be something kind of different. But I'm I am forever hopeful. I am forever hopeful um, that um, not just brown and black or minority managers, but all employees um, would get something um, out of uh, um, inclusion and diversity programs because uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I happen to think it ain't for the minorities; it's for these other folks. You know, it really yeah. is. <laughs> so anyway, our opinions, our opinions. So let's yeah. see. Let's circle uh, circle back to um, talking a little bit more about. You know, just um, um, how do we recognize? Um, when yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you that that wrong. question because you know, you know how how do we recognize that you know that this is happening? What are, what are some things or signs that you know? So how do we recognize um, when maybe we're at our lowest point, or we really need to have some awareness about? Right. What's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I questioning myself so much? Why am I doubting what you know what I'm what I'm doing? How how do we how did I even get here? Um, you know, we need to uh, think. What are some strategies I can use to build self worth? How can I how and what can I do to pull up that self worth when we need it? Um, when we need it the most and then what do we do to quiet that our own inner critic inner critic you know that recording we call it that's going over time it's an overdrive Um, just how do you how do you quiet that how do you what do you do about you know about those things Um, you know again these are all the reasons why we're talking about self-worth So back, just circling back a little bit to the workplace and, you know, Dr. Charlotte and I in no way want to downplay the importance of our accomplishments, uh, you know, because that's many times our life's work, um, the many degrees and the certifications and all those classes and all those uh, Ooh, things child. that you've worked <laughs> very hard to accomplish. We're in no way downplaying any of that. But again, we want to emphasize that because decisions are made at work, they don't necessarily have to deplete your uh, 
tax bank. They don't have to deplete your self-worth um, uh, quotient. Because um, sometimes some of these things that we don't get or we get or whatever, we find joy and fulfillment in our jobs and our professions. But God, we're so much more than our jobs. And jobs, kind of like relationships, come <laughs> and go, come and go. Many times without warning a change, just like your spouse, significant other, or friends can just say, hey, this ain't working out. Or you might be saying, the, hey, this ain't working out. <laughs> that happens at work, too, because, you know, you got layoffs. Heck, you could have a layoff of a relationship just like you could have a layoff <laughs> at work. Uh, or terminations. You can terminate the relationship. Positions get eliminated, rearranged, downsized. Or are you in charge of it, the decision yourself? You can retire, get a new job, change companies or, or professions. So we are not just that job that we have. And I think so many times that's how we see and how we define our self-worth. And like we've said before, uh, there's so much more to us than our jobs, our positions, or the work that we do. I always think it's so sad sometimes when you hear of somebody that's passed away and, and the talk is, my goodness, she worked for 60 years or 50 years or 45 years doing this. She was just, I mean, never late, always there, just <laughs> always right on it all the time. Her whole life was this job. And then the, wow. after the person retires, they really didn't have a life. They right. hadn't kept up their friendships and unfortunately and sadly, sometimes they succumb to an illness and sometimes even die, you know, or go within themselves. Yes. Hey, you heard from so-and-so? No, no, she's not in touch or whatever. It's just we're we're more than those eight or 10 hours that we that we spend doing uh, work. And many times it's work for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh Lord, when you talk about work and you talk about relationships, they're both jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and some of us quit earlier than others. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. Or some of us don't quit soon enough. Yeah. There is that too. Yeah. You know, so I, I can, I, I can say that, uh, I never, desire to work and work and just you know till I didn't have anything else you know my 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 goal was to retire at 40 buy a red corvette in a condo <laughs> <laughs> a red corvette okay. a red corvette don't ask me why and hey i love just, it and and, and travel and, and travel that. and free you know I love that traveling part. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. Um, my daughter passed away, and then I got a two-year-old, so that changed my whole, <laughs> whole, whole yeah. dynamics of of what my life was going to be and how I was going to retire. But I have yeah. no regrets on my decisions at all. I know you don't. I know you don't. Yeah. Uh, he's 31 now and I look at her and go like, hmm, remember when you were 18 months old? <laughs> wow. So, wow. Uh, 
So, you know, self-worth and relationships. And, you know, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, you know, you have to love yourself before you can truly love someone else. I know that's kind of a cliche and we hear it all the time, mm-hmm. but it's so true. Um, and your how you feel about how you value yourself and how you see yourself, whether it's internal or external, impacts how you're going to be in a relationship. I can say that yep. now because, you know, I'm older, I'm more mature. Uh, a lot of things that I went for when I was 30 and 40, 20, 30 and 40 have no significance to me at this, at this, at 70. Uh, <laughs> You know, and sometimes we let those relationships determine our self-worth. We forget about what our foundation has been, maybe from our elders or, you know, people in our community that have given us, uh, you know, when we were growing up. Um, the, The personal relationship should not define you or your self-worth. Okay. Yeah. you know, <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, what you well, will and will not accept in a relationship, guilty. <laughs> uh, that's huge. That's, that's a really hu- yeah, huge that's, impact you know. on yourself. And, and right it's all, you know, you, we talk about relationship, but this is also a work relationship. What we will or will not do in a work relationship as well. Yep. So, uh, but I think based on my lived experience, we tend to be less stringent in our personal relationships than our work relationships. So um, for all of us who had experienced divorce uh, for whatever reason, uh, there is a time when our self-worth can be at its lowest. Even if we are the ones that initiated the divorce not to bring up any past memories or experiences and I just kind of want to share a story and I just want to just say that you know it it may trigger some folks in the audience because it definitely triggers me talking about it but I think it's important that I share this um whew, okay um I was in a marriage where my self-worth was constantly questioned and distorted. I was married to this man who was overbearing, controlling, narcissistic, and who had illusions of grandeur. And those actually, those words actually stuck out to me because they were on his uh, military discharge papers. And what that is, it's a delusion that is false, that is a false belief that a person is more than what they are and that no one is superior, no authority, no person, thing, whatever. They were the it. Wow. I won't say the word. Wow. So no matter what. So um 
So this relationship started with a really a celebrating, I don't know what birthday, celebrating out with my lady friends, celebrating my birthday, saw this person across the room and, you know. Yeah, we all have one of those stories. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's okay. Made made eye contact, you know. So, you know, we're celebrating, having a good time and whatever. And my gut was saying, mm, warning, warning. But I ignored it. I ignored it because he was fine. <laughs> as, as the kids said, he was fine, okay? If you know who Common is, he looked similar to Common. Um the rapper, um, beard, nice body, nice, nice physical appearance. So that's okay, that's really what I got stuck on. <laughs> okay, we get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know, we continued and we, you know, start being together. And um, then, you know, those red flags that I kind of pushed away, they begin to come out because, you know, I, I asked him, you know, he used to wear this keychain that was um, about two feet long and it had teens. And I go like, what is that for? And he was very proud to say that these are the keys to all the women that I, that I have and I can go to their house at any time. Red flag. So I'm saying in my mind, he don't need all them. He he got me. He has me. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that, you know, he doesn't stray. Right. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, wrong. This individual was narcissistic and just no matter what type of achievements I had, whether they were education or a promotion, you know, he would be in a celebration with everyone, but he would always get me in a corner and tell me, you know, you're not worth anything. This what you've done is nothing compared to me. You'll never be as good as I can be. Talk about just a blow to your head, to your heart about trying like, I thought this was a good thing, you know. Right, right. <sighs> But, you know, that was continuous. And then it resulted in worse because then, um, of course, the parade of women at my house, at my door, on my phone, uh, constantly just was just emotionally just tearing me apart. And I still hung on to that thought of if I could just be better, if I could just be better. He would want me 100%. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what let me get that low. I don't, I don't even think, I can't even call it love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it was trying to prove something. I don't know. Um, But then it got really dark. And that's when the the verbal and the physical abuse increased or got more consistent. 
and, and just the emotional trauma of hearing horrible words and not being told you're not worth anything. You know, I don't care what you do. You can lose a hundred pounds. You could change your hair. I'm still going to do what I do. I'm going to have all the women I want to have because that's who I am. You know, uh, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I'm the king. That's not what he said, but more or less because of yeah. the illusion, yeah. illusion of grandeur, you know. Um, right, right. And, you know, it got to a point where he drew a gun on me consistently. Gregor's doing well, drink, drinking, um, you know, vodka. Is it vodka? No, gin. Gin. Okay. This man would consume a gallon bottle of gin every other day. And I was like, okay. So when he would get angry or something wasn't going right with something outside the house, I, I get the gun pulled on me. Tell me I could just shoot you now. And then finally, I just said, I the last time that he did it, I just walked up to him, grabbed his hand with the gun, put it at my temple, and I said, just do it already. Just do it. I'm tired. And then I became the crazy bitch. (laughs) He became afraid of me at that point. And I think that's when I slowly started to like say, I don't need this in my life. I am worth more. You know, Mm -hmm. the foundation that my grandmother and my great-grandmother gave me of what I can do and what I can be, it is still there. Why did I let this individual based on how they look, come in and destroy my life. So, you know, the marriage eventually, I mean, I got a divorce, you know, sent the divorce papers to him and his whatever lady it was at the time. And he was actually angry that I was divorcing him. Like, how dare I? How dare I divorce him? Hmm. You're free. I don't need this anymore. And it was just a turning point for me to know that I was worth something. To not, maybe not to him, but to me, to my family, to my children. And I needed Absolutely. to do better. And I needed to do better. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. uh, and I just remove myself from the situation. Okay. And the lesson, the lesson in that is that don't let looks deceive you. And don't accept that first, second, or third drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes alcohol doesn't help us make uh make the this is true. best decision. This is true. This know, is true. Sometimes it but clouds our The lesson is that, is that I still have the foundation that was put into me. I ignored that because I thought the physical transformation of myself would tie this person to me. And it would never happen because that's just not the what was in the cards. And that's not what his makeup. And 
thank goodness I I still live that lesson. It's been 32 years. Never saw that person again. Never want to see that person again. <sighs> and, you know, I am worthy. I am truly worthy. And I continue to work on my self-worth each and every day. Wow, girl, that's a story, I tell you. Um, that's a, there's a lot, you know, in there. And I, I thank you and uh, commend you for being able to talk about it and to share it, um, you know, again, in the hopes that, hey, if there's somebody out there that's thinking that I can't rise above this treatment from someone else, um, that, hey, look and find your self-worth find your self-worth and like you said tell yourself I'm worthy I'm I'm much more valued than maybe I'm gonna this person's ever gonna see and you know hey don't just wow thank you for sharing um for sharing that um you know of course we've known each other for a long time and I've heard but again uh every time you hear a story like that can't help but be affected by it very very affecting so I have a question for you, Joanne. Um, can you really develop or grow self-worth? If so, how? Well, I think I think you can. And certainly um, some of what you just related to in, you know, in the story that, you know, that you told is, you know, probably one way that you that, you know, that you can. But I think think it starts with just awareness, you know, just trying to figure out what is it that's going on? Why am I, quote, dependent on someone else's opinion of me? Because remember when we were saying what right. self-worth is and isn't, right. it's not the opinion of what somebody else thinks. It's what you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like at some point you reached deep down and found that. Now, whether you were just tired of the behavior uh, or you decided that I don't need this, you know, you may not have been calling it self-worth, but you reached down and you found and you found that and it made you stronger and made you able to, you know, to to go on. But, yeah, I I think you can um, start by, you know, certainly learning more about self-work, how it impacts your life, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, family life or your relationship with others uh, or relationships with your children. Um, I think we just have to learn how to be a little more authentic and find fulfillment in, you know, the things that we do, the things that we care about, the things that we value, treat ourselves with kindness and compassion and respect. Yeah. I I think other thing is, is, tolerance level of how yeah. much how much is too much how much yeah. too much how much and I think is, at the point is... that I walked up and just put the gun and said please just do it I was tired mm-hmm. but I also knew deep down that he didn't have the courage to do it because I I I, I just I don't know what it was I knew he was not as tough and Mac Daddy, <laughs> as he thought he was. Right, right. So, now we're not encouraging. We're not. We're not encouraging anybody out there to do the same thing. I want to. Be oh no, absolutely that. not. 
Um, that was just what happened to uh, Dr. Charlotte in her situation and what she knew because she was living in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that whole, um, I think, again, that whole inner critic thing, you know, because I can't imagine what your inner voice was talking to you and saying to you at, at that time. Uh, you probably had a lot of push and pull, you know. Uh, hey, if you stay in here and hang in here just a little longer, and like you said, you lose that weight or get that hairstyle or, or whatever, things will be okay. But on the other side, it sounds like you finally listened to a stronger voice. Right. Your own voice right. that right. was telling you, you do have value. I was enough. That were, I was that enough. You, you are enough and that you're worthy. That yeah. you're, wor- you're worthy of love. It may not have been love from that individual, but you're right. worthy of love. And worthy of loving yourself more than, um, you know, allowing yourself to remain in, in this situation. Mm-hmm. You, you did it. And, and Hey, I, I'm, you use the term, um, um, you felt like you were destroyed. Well, I'm here to say you, you might've felt like that at the time, but look at you now, baby. Thank you. Thank look at you. you now, baby. Um, so, you know, again, just, um, really being able to look at ourselves, give ourselves the love and the respect and the kindness that we need in our children. I think you just said that the kindness, sometimes we are not kind to ourselves. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And if we can, um, I start to instill that in our young people, in our children, as they're growing up, you know, let them have successes, you know, give them unconditional, lots of unconditional love. I'm not saying spoil them, you know, giving them any and everything they want, but make sure that they have chances to see that they can, they can attain things, you know, help them just achieve. Mm-hmm. And if they have frequent successes that can start to build a certain level of uh, self-confidence and self-worth, you know, in them, in them. You know, another thing that um, I remember this from uh, many, many years ago, and I've tried to practice it uh, (laughs) or at least be aware of it. It's using words like always and never. Right. Always and never. (laughs) That's, that's pretty finite. When you (laughs) say something always happens, or I think about sometimes uh, discussions with significant others. You know, you always say <laughs> blah blah blah, or 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 you know, you never take yeah. out the trash. You never do. Yeah, this. it's usually in a negative connotation. You know, it's usually <laughs> negative content. Yeah. Um, so I I just try to practice. Um, I'm going to give credit to a long, long time. My One of my, oh my God, dearest, dearest friends uh, said to me many years ago, I don't know, I was probably going through some something or whatever. And, and she said, John, she said, you know what? Think about not using never or, or saying always. And she said, just think about when you use that, what's happening, what's going on. Pull, mm-hmm. pull up your awareness at the time. And I started practicing that. And I was just amazed at how much I, I would say that. Mm-hmm. And the impact that it would have either on the individuals that I'm talking with versus 
um, you know, just even saying it sometimes to myself. So I have generally practiced and I try sometimes I'm not always successful. It's not always using always and never, uh, but substituting that with, well, sometimes or, you know, lately, lately I've noticed. So, you know, sometimes this Mm -hmm. happens. Um, You have a it's a different type of conversation, a very different type of conversation. And it's not so antagonistic. Right. Because you know, when you say, I I, I am yeah. never going to do something. <laughs> wow. It's like, that's kind of like having a crystal ball almost. Kind of yeah. like having a crystal ball. So just things like that. They're not hard. Mm-hmm. They're not hard. Um, but they are hard in a way. Because anytime we talk about raising our awareness about something or stopping and thinking about something. Yeah. We can make it tougher than, I don't know what the toughest exam or the toughest test you probably ever, ever taken. So I'm going to throw out a always and never challenge to our listeners. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask our listeners, listen to your conversation, listen to your conversation with your children, listen to a conversation that you have with your, you know, spouse, significant others, or friends. How many times do you use always and never? So raise your awareness around these things and think about how does that make me feel? How does it make the other person feel? Mm-hmm. And just see if you can at least, because again, you got complete control over that. A- absolute complete control over that. And then yeah. what other what other little point I'd like to um to make here is that um you know I'm around a a, a little one uh, uh every day <laughs> and she has either some new superpower or some new superhero almost every day and some of them are the old standbys that you know we all know about but some of them I've never heard of mm-hmm. and so I just wish that we could make self worth our superpower. Think about if everyone in our culture, especially our Black culture, Mm -hmm. I just think about all the things that aren't kind, aren't respectful, and aren't courteous that we do to each other. If we could just increase and focus on our own self-worth, I'm hopeful that it would have just a wonderfully positive experience on us as individuals Right. And as and as as people, if we taught our children, you know, how to how to make their self-worth stronger and how to sustain it, our friends, you know, and our sister friend groups, if we talked more about self-worth and our self-value, not not bragging about these aren't accomplishments, these aren't the latest bonus or promotion we've gotten at work or whatever, but this is that inner our very inner core, our very inner infrastructure. If we just only develop and teach ourselves how to grow our self-worth, I just think it could have an amazing impact. Okay, I'll get off my, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) Get off my soapbox on that one. But any other, any other thoughts on us? No, I mean, you talk about superpower and, um, you know, for kids, it's always a superhero. But I think that uh, my superpower 
it's my faith. And, you know, when it, when it, when it, <laughs> when it really, oh. really gets down to it, oh. you know, that, that, that's part of my foundation of what I was taught, what to yep. lean on, yep. uh, you know, and, you know, <laughs> I, I laugh because, you know, my, my great grandmother would say, gal, you got to get on your knees and you got to cry some tears. And she, you know, the gal <laughs> part is just, I mean, it was, it was endearing from her. I wouldn't accept it from anybody else, but I think what she was saying is that if that's, that's putting your faith into action yes. and, words, and what you speak is what becomes because you believe. So I, I, I do that now, you know, I haven't done I it a while, it. but maybe I do need to do it where I just get on my knees and I just like shed those tears and I get up and I feel so refreshed and birds lifted and uh, then I you know, get my crazy dreams and and things that I want to do, uh, such as this podcast that came <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. But my most creative time is early in the morning, and uh, Joanne knows that because I, I I don't I don't email her. I'll write it down and then I'll send it to her later. <laughs> and she'll say, "Well, let's talk about it." <laughs> balances me but I think that you know for me that 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 works through the tragedy and trauma that I have been through yes um you know there was a time there was a time after after my son passed that uh it was a struggle it was a struggle yes to like I question whole bunch of things yep whole bunch of why me why did two of my children have to die but anyway that's another story so um, well again um having your your faith you know as your superpower i know it helped you through i know it helped you through and again you know what you just spoke of is another time when we we need something you know to help lift us and help us through that those difficult periods um so hey whether it's uh developing or growing our self-worth uh or through having that as our superpower or your superpower of faith i know it's a superpower for a whole lot of folk yeah so um i know uh, that our listeners are shaking their heads going i'm with you sister I am with you. I am with you. Yeah. So self-worth. That's our program number four, claiming our self-worth and then adding the tax. You know, we hope that you've gained even one insight or heard just one little something that inspires you to learn more. In this case, learn more about self-worth and then to do something. So as we always say, and I really mean always, because we've been doing it since the very first podcast, we know this podcast is not for everybody. And it is for a lot of somebodies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. 
we want to leave you with a little something that we think about and we call them our nannyisms. <laughs> and <laughs> our nannyism for today is you determine your self-worth. You do not have to depend on someone to let you know who you are. And that was by Beyonce Knowles. That's one. And then we have another one. Do not rely on someone else for your happiness and self-worth. Only you can be responsible for that. If you cannot love and respect yourself, no one else will be able to make that happen. Accept who you are completely, the good and the bad, and make changes as you see fit, not mm-hmm. others. And that is by Stacy Charter. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to our next uh, topic with you. Yeah, thank you. And our, our uh, please listen in. Our next uh, podcast number five is all about well-being and wellness. Just what is that anyway? Thank you for tuning into our podcast, Wise Black Nanas. New programs of Wise Black Nanas are on the 1st and 15th of each month. Listen in as you learn more about Wise Black Nanas, Dr. Sharla Walker and Joanne Early. They are everyday nanas. They are not famous, not celebrities or rich. Well, rich in life and its experiences. We want you to come back. Tell your friends. So look for Wise Black Nana's podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Learn more about them and the coaching services they offer at www.wiseblacknanas.com.